Well, hi, everyone. How are you today? Are you good? Are you good enough to stand up and sing with me today to the Lord? Come on, stand on up this morning. We are glad you're here. We're praising God this morning. This is the house of the Lord. We want you to worship with us and give everything that you have to the Lord today. Because he gave everything that he had for us. Let's praise him this morning. We want you to have fun this morning and celebrate who Jesus is this morning. Because we're singing this song. We want you to just praise his name.
all here to praise the Lord and we want you to get to know each other. To say hello to someone maybe that you've never met before. We're in the house of the Lord this morning. Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. You know, we are his treasure, 
He paid the greatest price for us. And that is why we're here to praise him this morning. Treasure of greatest price and healer giving Again and again, Jesus, your love never ends. Isn't that a promise that we love? He is faithful and his love never ends. He is sovereign. Sovereign in all that you do. morning. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. It is great to be with you. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm glad that we can all be here. It's important that we all gather. It's important because there's a reason why we're here, and that is for Jesus Christ. It's to encourage one another, to 
to talk with each other, to, to just create that community. And so we're just, we're really, we, that's why we say we're really glad that you're here. It is a good thing that we gather each week. You know, don't forsake the, the, don't forsake the gathering. Don't forsake the meeting together and keep one another encouraged and just, you know, just share. I encourage you guys stick around for a few minutes afterwards. Talk to one another. Get to know each other. Uh, this is really exciting. And we want to welcome those joining us online. If we have any guests here in the building, please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. We'd love to really, it would be our honor to meet you. And then if you're online and you're our guest, welcome. Uh, please let us know that you're our guest and we'd love to connect with you online. Hey, church, there's a lot of uh, things coming up, and so I want to encourage you. Hey, look in your bulletin. You can really stay fresh. Uh, our team does a great job creating that every week, and so you can really stay in touch with what's happening um, and all the different events and all the different activities, and so you can see that every week. And so great job to our team that puts that together. Um, our Ecuador clothing drive. So that's going to be 11th through the 18th of June, and this is for uh, these are they're, they are uh, collecting all the clothes to take over for the children in Ecuador as they go on the mission trip uh, here at the end of June. And so uh, you can be a part of this trip, church. And so even though you can't go, you can't be a part of this trip. There's a couple different ways to be a part of it. One is to be in prayer. Uh, be in prayer for our team uh, that's going and preparing now uh, and meeting together. They've been meeting and just going all, all over the different things that they're doing and they're going to be doing on the trip. So be in prayer for uh, Pastor Ken and Rhonda and all of those who are going on this trip here at the end of June. And you can be a part of it by bringing in clothes and then uh, dropping it off right next to the coffee uh, under the coat rack. And so you can see the signs in the foyer um, to point you in that direction. If you have any questions about the clothing drive, you can stop by the Welcome Center. Next week is our man day. We're going to be celebrating the men in our life, our fathers. And so, yeah, woohoo! And so uh, come on up to our church and bring dad. Make sure you bring him. And then we're going to be having breakfast sandwiches in the parking lot. So that's, that's always a win, right? And uh, also men. Uh, yeah, we can, wow, we're going to clap for food. I like it. That's a good thing. And so, uh, men, if you have any cars or your bikes or anything you want to bring up, just some toys and just, you know, just to show off and have fun in the parking lot, uh, that's going to, you can bring those things on Man Day next weekend. Our movie night is June 23rd, and that is going to be the movie Family Camp, so you can register online. It's all free uh, to, to come. And then there's going to be bounce houses beforehand, and we're going to hang out. And then as the sun goes down, uh, we're going to be showing the movie right at about dusk. And so uh, there's a really great menu of concessions items, so please come on out. Uh, it's a dollar concessions, and it's going to be really, it's going to be a blast. So we're looking forward to it June 23rd. Our mega sports camp is July 10th through the 14th. And so being a part of this is uh, signing your kids up praying for this event and then there's also there's a, a lot of different ways you can serve and so if you would like to serve uh, during vacation bible school and you have not signed up yet uh, grab that connect card in front of you and just put some information on there and just say i would like to help out with our mega sports camp and then we'll follow up with you tomorrow this week okay so that's going to be july 10th through the 14th and be in prayer for that god is um is really giving us a huge opportunity, and so we want to take advantage of, 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 every, of everything we can. Um, because there's going to be kids sitting where you're sitting. The, all these chairs are going to be moved, and there's going to be kids everywhere, and we want these kids to hear about the love of Jesus. And so that's going to be July 10th to the 14th. As we continue on this morning, guys, would you stand with me? And uh, we're going to go before the Lord and just ask Him to continue to move in our hearts and help us to just stay focused on Him because... There's so many things pushing and distracting us, and so let's focus on Christ. Before we do that, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving, for being faithful to this church, faithful, more importantly, to the mission, which is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You can give online, through the mail, or the offering boxes here in the church, but God is being faithful to us, and thank you for being faithful to him. Lord, we 
we just pause and um, we thank you, uh, Lord, for the truth that who you are is so important. Lord, you you are God. Um, Lord, and we know in Ecclesiastes that Solomon says that you are you are God in heaven and you and we are here on earth. So let our words be few. Lord, as we look at who you are and we look at all these but God statements, it's it's when we see God, when we look back and we see when you changed our life, that was our but God moment. We thought that we were going one way, but God changed our lives because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and how we stepped out in faith and believed in what you did for us. And so, Lord, thank you for changing us. Thank you for giving us true life and found in your son, Jesus. And I pray that this morning, if somebody does not know you, that it would be the morning, it would be the day that they decide to follow you and make that relationship with you personal um, and just real. And so, God, we love you. We thank you for uh, this opportunity we have to gather. It's all for your glory, and we just love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.
Kiitos. God is moving and doing some great things in our church family, and I want to encourage you to be praying for Lupe McElmany. You see inside of your bolt in there, she is going on a missions trip. Lupe, would you come on up here and if we can give her the microphone there and turn that thing on for her. Um, so Lupe is heading to the Philippines this summer. Man, we're excited about this. So uh, as you know, she's been playing keyboard. She's been serving regularly. She's a growing believer, serving the Lord here. It's been fun to watch you grow up here in this church and just to see what God's doing. Last summer, where did you go last summer? I went to Honduras. All right, so she was in Honduras last summer for the entire summer. And you can see on there she is leaving here June 14th, which is Wednesday, right? And uh, she'll be back August the 4th, and you're going to the Philippines. So that's a long way away. Yeah. That's a long airplane ride away. So tell us a little bit about what you're going to do in the Philippines, and then we're going to pray over you, all right? Yeah, we're going to, um, I'm with a group of about 10 other teenagers, and we're going to go work on construction and do evangelism to kids and adults there. Oh, that's awesome, man. Isn't that cool? They're going to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people over there, plus they're going to do a, a project. So that's awesome. So I want to encourage you. She's going with this group, Teen Missions International, and uh, I know that God has been doing some great things and helping you to, to make these decisions. How many people are going on this trip? There's 12 okay. people. Yeah. 12, 12 people. So it's a small group of people, young people going over to, uh, to, to be a part of this. So I want to just uh, lift her up before the Lord and thank God. Isn't it wonderful that we have young people in our church that are going out and making change? Yeah, it's awesome, man. Uh, Lupe, how old are you? 17. 17, all right. So you're going to be a senior next year in the fall, right? So uh, this, this is incredible what God's doing, and so what an opportunity it is for us to be able to send you, and we're so thankful. I'm going to ask everyone if you'll take that, uh, this uh, card that's in your bolt in there and take that home and pray over her every day for the next, uh, for the next, uh, for the rest of your life, really. But uh, <laughs> you'd pray over her for June 14th through August the 4th, and let's just ask God to move in her life, all right? Let's pray for her now. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for Lupe, Lord. Thank you for uh, her family, Lord. They, they love you, Lord. They've raised her to honor you, and they've been teaching her about your love and your love for the world. So, God, this passion's been instilled to her heart, and now she has a sense of adventure, a sense that she would like to go out and do something for you. 
So God, as she makes these trips uh, for this summer, going to the Philippines, we pray for safety, Lord. You'll put your hand upon upon her travels, Lord. Keep her safe in her travels. That you'll open up doors for them to share the good news of Jesus. That you'll give them uh, protect their health, Lord, um, as they as they work in the construction projects, guide their projects, Lord. Do all these things for your honor and glory. And we will, we will just worship you and praise you. But, Lord, you told us to pray about everything, and we are bringing her to you now, Lord. So we're sending her in prayer, Lord. We know that uh, God is going with her, before her, and behind her. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll put your hand of protection upon her, and we'll hear great reports in August when she comes back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's give her a hand, man. We thank God for you, Lupe. Thank God. Love seeing our young people serving. Love seeing them going out and transforming the world for Jesus Christ. And that's what God's called us to do. Um, we have a group going out here, uh, a mission trip from our church, as Pastor Luke already shared. We're going to be heading out on uh, June the 25th. There's 33 of us that are going. And we're heading out June the 25th, and we'll be back July the 3rd. So it's, uh, it's going to be a fun trip. We're excited about it. God's given us a, a number of opportunities to go out and um, Make a difference. We're going to be working with a vacation Bible school area uh, in a town called Otavalo, and it's uh, a new place that we're going to be taking our team to. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, there's hundreds of kids. They're telling us we're going to be working with about 500 kids. Uh, half of them will be teenagers. So that's going to be an interesting challenge for our group, and we're excited about what God's going to be doing there. So, if, again, if you have anything that you can bring in for, your, uh, for that clothing drive, just drop it off during the week or next Sunday under the coat rack there in the foyer. Um, all we're going to do is we're going to take those items and we give them away to the people down there. So we take one suitcase for our belongings. We take another suitcase for the people. And we give away items to just whoever we can down there and help them along. So please bring in gently used clothing, things that are good. Don't bring your garbage in because we know how to throw things away too, okay? So uh, don't bring in the garbage. Bring in things that are gently used because nobody wants garbage. And um, I used to say don't bring in any, anything that has holes in it, but now that's a style, right? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, we'll charge double for those pants, right? So anyhow, um, uh, you just bring in what you know is good, and we will hand them out, and we will give them out in the name of Jesus. Amen? So that's coming up. I'm excited about that. And um, uh, some of you probably saw Priscilla around here today. She was here in the first service. I don't know where she's at now, but she has her service dog with her, and you'll see her running around here. She's going to be working with our team this afternoon. They're going to be practicing, and she's going to help us with a, a lot of the Spanish side of things there. So we're, we're glad to have her here today, all right? And then we're going to jump into the scriptures here. We've been talking about But God. This is our But God series, and we've been talking like, these are the things that are happening in life, but God steps in. And so one of the things I want to share with you, there was somebody in our church, I think, that had a but God moment. And this is uh, Dave Askins. Dave and Jill Askins were here last night, and uh, Dave has been following Christ. And as he's been on the journey of faith and growing in the Lord, he, he came down with cancer. And so the cancer hit his liver. And in November, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, it was all, all last summer, really. I met with him last summer. We were praying about this last summer, and uh, we were going through all of that. And uh, in December, he ends up going into the hospital, and they come into the hospital, and they have to look at his liver. They said, we're going to cut this thing in half because we got rid of the cancer. And so the, the part that's contaminated, thank you very much. Save my embarrassment there. 
And uh, so uh, they cut the liver in half, and as the, as the liver was cut in half, they said it would regrow. Well, his did not regenerate, and so he needed a transplant. So that he's been in the hospital pretty much off and on since December the 20th last year. And um, so they, he had to get a, a, a living donor. So his sister graciously went in and gave half of her liver. So they went in, and I was down there that morning that they did that, and they cut half of hers in half and gave half to him, and that has been regenerating. Well, he went through a, a long period where he was um, dealing with infection, and as you can see there, he's lost a tremendous amount of weight. But he was in here last night, and he walked up the ramp by himself and praised the Lord. He was here worshiping with us. Amen? So God stepped in. God stepped in. I want to encourage you to keep praying for Dave. Dave's a great man. That's his wife, Jill, with him there. Just wonderful people. And uh, God is moving, and, and God is doing what only he can do. And as you think about these things in life that happen here, um, we've seen a number of these things in our life that happen that are bad. Like Dave didn't ask for this. Dave actually was taking pretty good care of his health, and uh, he didn't do anything that would cause this liver to, to respond in this way. Um, he, it's just it's the broken world that we live in. You know, uh, that's the number one question I hear from people over and over and over is why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, why do bad things happen in our world? The world is just filled with so much pain, right? We have so much pain. We have so much drama and trauma. There's so many traumatic experiences. And, and we've all been scarred to some degree by some trauma in life. Uh, there was a man in the Bible. His name was Job. Job talks about his struggles. Listen, Job followed God. He did everything the right way. And yet everything went the wrong way for him. I mean, he loved the Lord, he worshiped the Lord, he tithed, he gave everything. I mean, he followed God, and then his kids want to ride, his kids, he loses his kids, he loses his wife, he loses everything, he loses his business, he loses his land, everything shrivels up and dies on him. And basically, he's, uh, he goes into this questioning before God, and as he's questioning and he's not understanding, he's asking the same question, like, why are all these things happening? Um, one of his good friends, Eliphaz, comes up to him in Job chapter 5, verse 7, says, For man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. He says, For afflictions uh, the, for afflictions does not come from the dust, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. But man is born for trouble. In, in other words, trouble doesn't grow up out of the ground like weeds. Um, it's a part of man's birth, and it's because man is born a sinner. And so if you're looking for that reason, why, why are there so many of these bad things happening? And I think people will even come to question, why does God allow these things to happen, right? And so this is the question on this side of heaven that we will keep, continue to ask. And the, 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 it comes down to this. God placed us in this world, and he put Adam and Eve into the garden, and he says, I'm making everything perfect for you. This is the perfect environment. You get to enjoy this. There's just one tree not to eat of. And whenever they did that, and he said, he said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And so what happens was whenever they entered into sin, now sin entered into the world. And basically, let me explain it like this. This is just a very, very one-sentence answer. Nothing is operating the way that God designed it. Our bodies don't operate the way that God designed it because we are living under the sin 
sinful nature. We, we are all sinners. So since Adam, every one of us are sinners, and we're living under this sin. Creation isn't functioning as it should. The weather isn't functioning as it should. The, the scriptures tell us that all creation is groaning. So, so when you think about why, why do these bad things happen, why doesn't God stop them? Because he said the soul that sins it will die. And so God did step in and he sends his only son Jesus to die on the cross so that you can have eternal life. But we're living under this, under this fallen nature. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like in heaven. Actually, wasn't there a song written like that? I can only imagine, right? I can only imagine, man, when you open up your eyes and you see Jesus and there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more brokenness. Whenever I'm functioning the way that I'm supposed to function, like right now, I'm functioning less than how God desired me to function. I've got the sin issue. I've got ego. I've got all these things I've got to deal with, right? And so when I get to heaven, man, I am going to be functioning according to God's plan. You will too. Man, you think we get along now? Wait till we get to heaven. You're really going to get along with me, right? Because we'll be functioning according to God's plan, and and we'll be we'll, we'll, everything will be restored and back into order, and the brokenness will be gone. But on this side of heaven, we've got to understand: man is born of trouble. Job himself, in Job chapter 14, he says this. Job says, "Man who is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble." Man, that, that's a sobering reality. We're here for just a season. Go back and look at human history. Just look at 100 years ago what the world was like. Look at 100 years ago what was happening and who were the characters. Well, none of those people are here anymore. And that's just 100 years ago. All those people that were, that were striving in politics, all those people that were striving in industry, all those people that were, doing, that were the, the trendsetters of the day, they're gone. We're here for just a short time. And Job says it well. He says that we're, we're, we're full of trouble. He continues in that passage and he says this. He gives a, a few analogies. He says that the hopeless condition of man in the world is like this. That he is like a flower that is soon cut down. Man, beautiful, but it's short. He's like a shadow that slowly disappears. Man, you see the shadow and it just kind of fades. He's like a hired man that puts in his time and then he's replaced. Oh, that's even deeper. Like, okay, I worked and now somebody else has got the job. And so he says, listen, this is our, our despair. This is our, our place of brokenness. And I want you to catch this because in this broken world, it's easy to become discouraged. You can, you can just be filled with discouragement. And you can... Honestly, when you're looking at life and then you try to start making a move forward, you say, I'm going to I'm going to go forward. I'm going to do something good. What happens is sometimes you feel like you're taking two steps forward and three steps back. I mean, it's just like, man, I'm going to move forward in my relationship, man, boom, move forward in my job, boom, all these things that are happening in your life. Right. Well, there was a man by the name of Zachariah in the scripture, Zachariah, uh, Zechariah. He was uh, on the team to rebuild the temple. God had him on the, called him to rebuild the temple. You had Solomon's grand and glorious temple, and then he's on. He's part of the team to recall to build the, to rebuild the temple. And what happened was the team got together and they started getting down and discouraged because they realized we'll never be able to build like Solomon did. 
Solomon built this grand and glorious thing, but we'll never be able to build like Solomon. As a matter of fact, ours is much small. It's so small compared to what Solomon did. In Zechariah 4.10, the Lord says to Zechariah, Who has despised the day of small things? The Lord hasn't. He's challenging him. He says, why do you despise the day of small things? Listen, you're looking at your life and you say, man, I've made progress in my faith. I've taken two steps forward, but man, I've taken three steps backward. What is wrong with me? Why do I struggle with the same sin all the time? Why am I struggling in these particular areas? And here's what God says to be encouraged with the small things. Because the small things will eventually become big things. They will grow. I like what uh, Charles Spurgeon said about the small things on that verse. He said, The day of small things is not only natural, but promising. Small things are living things. Let them alone, and they will grow. God's not despised because of the small progress in your life. You may be despised. You may be despaired. You may be uh, uh, really losing your mind because it should be But you know what? You're not. And God is not despaired. God is not upset over the small things. Do not despise the small things. There is no villain. Spurgeon went on to say this. He said, there's no villain that hates the souls of men and causes more sorrow to the people of God than this Mr. Live by Feeling. See, here's what happens. We get into this world, and we're dealing with brokenness, and we're dealing with all this, and and then we have these emotions and our feelings, and sometimes our emotions are on target. Many times they're not. Sometimes your emotions may be healthy. Sometimes they're not. And so what we've got to do is we have to learn how to not live by our emotions and not live by, oh, hey, live by my feelings. Uh, the people, uh, uh, the, when we as people are living under, uh, uh, under suffering and living under this crushing weight of suffering, it's easy to wonder what is God doing. I've had people ask me, you know, in light of that suffering, is there even a God? And you know, that's an okay question. I think that the psalmist asked that from time to time. I think you see that. Is there even a God? Well, let me tell you, yes, there is a God, and he is big and he's powerful. Does God exist? If he does exist, why doesn't he care? And so what we've got to do is we have to realize that we have the answers right here in God's word. When you come and you begin to ask those questions, turn to the answers. Come back to God's word and look for the answers because you'll find them right here. They're all in here. And as you dig in and you see the character of God, you'll begin to say, okay, God, I see who you are. So let me ask you this. The first thing in your notes tonight, uh, this morning, is how would you define God? What one word would you use to define God? Maybe you would use the word holy. You'd say, okay, God is holy. He is so so separate, so different than we are. He's perfect in all of his ways. You can trust his character because that's who he is. He's holy. And so you talk up the holiness of God. Uh, Maybe for somebody else you'd say, well, I would say he's sovereign. So you think about him being in in control, in charge. He rules and he reigns absolutely over the heavens and the earth. Others you would say he's powerful and you think of the almighty power that God has. Others would say that he's love. 
God is love. And so you'd start to sense that, you know, what, is, what does love really mean? I mean, God himself said God is love. And so as you're looking through the Bible, you're going to see that God describes himself for us. But for us, I think it's important to understand one word can't describe God. One word can't do it. You've got everything here, holiness, uh, uh, sovereign, love, power. But I want to show you when the Apostle Paul tried to use one word. The Apostle Paul had planted all these churches. And so what he did was he went around, he planted the churches. Uh, as he would go to a town, he'd come in and he'd tell people about Jesus. He'd get them grounded in their faith. And then he'd move on to the next town. And he would do the same thing. And then he would send letters back. So the Apostle Paul ends up sending a letter back to a town called Corinth. And in this town of Corinth, as he's writing these letters back and forth, um, he, he sends a letter with a bunch of instructions for them. And he opens up his second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. He opens up his second letter. And in the second letter, what, what does he do? But he tells us a little bit about God, and you'll see the one word that he uses. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we, which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul had somewhat of a combative relationship with these people. Listen, these people in Corinth, they were questioning his motives. They questioned his character. Uh, they were questioning the effectiveness of his ministry. Uh, they were a small little embattered group, man. They were just a small group of believers in the cesspool of Corinth. I mean, it was just a, a, a city of debauchery. It's a, a terrible place to try and live for God, so to speak. And so he had to send, and he would have to come back, and he had to give them a lot of instruction. Paul knew that they needed to discover what Paul was learning himself, was that God was the God of all comfort. Notice, he doesn't come out there uh, uh, you know, going, at, going at it on a self-defense about anything about Paul. He says, I want you to know the comfort of God. This is the comfort of God. Paul knew this from his own experience, how the God became the comfort of God, the God of all comfort. But he also looks in the scripture, and you can look and see it's just a theme all over the Bible. Psalm chapter 23, verse 4 says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what do they do? They comfort me. He says, man, even though I'm going through the roughest, the most darkest, the most painful season of suffering, you comfort me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 119 says this. It says that, oh, may your loving kindness comfort me. So we see the sense of God's comfort. The Apostle Paul says he's the God of all comfort. How does he know this? Well, he knew the Scriptures. And he knew God. So he's experienced it. And he's saying, look, here's who he is. Acts chapter 9, we see the church was, early church was taking off. And the scripture says that it went from Judea, Galilee, and to Samaria. It was going, the, it was spreading like wildfire. And the church at large was growing. And he says here, and going in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church, it continued to increase. So God kept adding to this movement called the church. So God has done this work. 
but he provided for us the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now check that out. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, if you've opened your heart and you've invited Christ to come into your life, the Holy Spirit has stepped into your life that day that you trusted Christ. When you said, I surrender to Jesus, you died, you paid for my sin, I am going to come and I'm going to trust you, the Holy Spirit steps into your life. And from that day forward, look, we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. In other words, folks, you're never alone. You will never be alone again. God is taking you on a journey. You're going through this broken world, but you don't have to do it alone. You have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul was tapping into the underlying theme of the Bible to encourage this church. And, folks, listen, this is what the word comfort came from the, comes from the same root word that we get encourage. So you could replace that with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. You could translate it as the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, the comfort, the encouragement. And as you start to see this, you see now why Paul, over in Hebrews, we could see the author of Hebrews tells us to come before God. He is the one who's coming beside us. He says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help when? In the time of need. Man, that's right now. That's your time of need. Tomorrow's not my time of need. I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know today I need God. I need Him to move. I know what I can come before Him. And this is where we get bent out of shape sometimes. We start worrying about tomorrow. We start putting all of our eggs into tomorrow's basket. And we forget that, hey, right now, God is going to give me the grace that I need today. He's not going to give you tomorrow's grace today. He's going to give it to you today. So this is the comfort of God. We have him coming and gives us the grace. Paul responds to the attacks. He responds to the attacks on his character. He responds to the, uh, his role as an apostle they were attacking him on. They were looking at the effectiveness of his ministry. And Paul doesn't lead with self-defense, yet he comes out with the comfort of God. He leads with the God of all comfort. Number two in your notes this morning, consider the comforting ways of God. Consider the comforting ways of God. I read a story about a man who, was, uh, who had fell. He was walking along and he, fell, he had fallen into a deep hole, into a deep pit. As a matter of fact, it was so deep that he couldn't climb his way out of the pit. And so he's stranded down there. He's kind of yelling and he's screaming, hoping that somebody will come along. Finally, somebody comes along. And here it was a doctor. And as the doctor comes along, what's the doctor do? The doctor looks down, he's talking to him a bit. So the doctor pulls out his script and he writes a script and throws a prescription down in there. And the doctor walks away. The next man that came along was a very religious person. And what did the religious person do? He looks down, oh, I see you're in problem, I see all this. He talks to him and he writes a prayer. And it's a very elegant prayer, a wonderful prayer. And he puts it on the paper and he drops it in the hole and he walks away. Well, eventually, the man's best friend came along. And what did the man's best friend do? He jumped down into the hole. And his friend says, well, his, his, after he gets down in the hole, the man says to him, well, what are you doing? Look at us. Now we're both trapped. And his best friend said, it's okay. I've been down here before. I know the way out. And you see, folks, that's what comfort that's what the encouragement the comfort of god is god knows the way out the apostle 
Paul knew the way out, and it was the comfort of God. You can have, listen, God will sometimes send us somebody else, but we have God himself. First we start there, the God of all comfort. Paul openly shared his own losses with this church. Look here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is powerful. He says, we were afflicted in every way, but not crushed. I mean, he is not minimizing this thing. He's not glorifying it, but he's not minimizing it. Because your pain is really, really real. I want you to catch that. Your pain is really, really real. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not been destroyed. In other words, he says, man, I'm still living. I'm still breathing. God's got a plan. Always caring about in the body. Uh, Always caring about in the body. I'm sorry, I jumped a bit there. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus Christ may be manifest in our bodies. Our master died on the cross. He was persecuted. He was humiliated. He went through trials. He lived in this broken world, yet without sin himself. He knew no sin. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for that sin for you. And he says that always caring about in the body the dying, the suffering of Jesus, so that that risen life, the resurrection power may be seen in our life. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So the, what's God allowing us to go through suffering for? So that we can manifest the life of Jesus. Listen, we are going to suffer. Jesus said you will suffer. In this world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have suffering, but I will give you peace. Folks, I want you to get this. You will suffer. And if you're not suffering now, you will suffer again. Listen, we go through these seasons. There's seasons that we suffer more than other times. But God is allowing us to do this. And as he's allowing this to happen, the life of Jesus is evident in our mortal flesh. Like, man, this is so powerful. I get, to, I get to go through some really hard times so that the life, the resurrected living power of God is evident in my life and it's evident to the world around me. Paul doesn't seek to glorify himself, but he's showing the realities of his suffering. And then what he does, it kind of sets the stage for a few chapters later when we see the but God moment. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 says, For even when we came into Macedonia... Our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side. Conflicts within, conflicts without, and fears within. But God, now here it is, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us. Ooh, I love that. He didn't say God took the problem away. He didn't say everything was all wonderful and shining. He said, but God who comforts the downcast. While we were having our conflicts without, our fears within, God who comforts the downcast comforted us. How? By sending Timothy, by the coming of of Titus, by the coming of Titus to us. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort of, which he was comforted in you 
and he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I had rejoiced all the more. So here's what happens. The Apostle Paul is dealing with these things, and it's the things that you and I deal with. You have the conflicts on the outside, and you have fears on the inside. It's kind of a double whammy, isn't it? You, you, got, you, got, you got bad stuff happening on the outside, and I got insecurities and fears on the inside. On the outside, there's conflict at work. There's conflict in your marriage. There's conflict of all sorts. We have this broken world. It's just all creation's groaning. Uh, the storm blew your pull over. I mean, all this stuff, right? You've got all this stuff to deal with. There's conflict on the outside. And then what's worse is the fears on the inside. Conflict on the outside, that's easy to me. Fears on the inside is the harder thing. I'm insecure. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure what God's doing. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe God doesn't love me. And we start going down this route of fear. And so there's just fears that, fears that, you know, fear is a terrible thing. When you start to say all the what ifs and you live in that position of fear, it's, it's destroying to you. The Apostle Paul says, yeah, I lived there. You know, Satan will discourage us. Satan will discourage us often. Let me tell you how he discourages us. Satan will discourage us with prayerlessness. He gets you to think that your prayers don't matter. He gets you so busy that you don't even pray anymore. And that's one of the tactics of Satan. See these conflicts and these fears? That's what we're talking about. This is Satan trying to interfere. Uh, you know, physical fatigue, that's another one of those that will come at you and just wear you out. Maybe you're working too much. Maybe you're working three jobs. You can't even see straight. Maybe things are just overwhelming to you right now. Uh, unconfessed sin, you know, when we don't confess sin before the Lord, man, that just creates creates this this insecure inside of us, creates the fear. It's the conflict between us and God and the fear inside Failure and embarrassment. Man, maybe you failed and you're embarrassed. Let me tell you something, folks. Everybody fails. Everybody's been embarrassed. It's time to get up and keep moving on in the faith. It's time to say, okay, I'm back in the game. You know, I always have said through the years, it's not wrong to get knocked down. It's wrong to stay down. You have to get knocked down, but you get up again. And that's what God's called each one of us to do. We get knocked down. But I get up again. And I know that's a song, and I'm not even going to sing it, right? But let me tell you this. That's what happens when you get knocked over. Man, you got to say, okay, Lord, because you are here, Lord. I have failed. Everybody's failed. Every last one of us have failed. Routine. Man, you can just get bored with life a little bit. Man, if you're getting bored with your spiritual life, Open up God's Word and get back into it. Listen, there's only so many devotional, feel-good type of stuff you can read out there. You've got to get into God's Word and let God's Word change you. Man, I'm telling you, this is the rock. This is what's going to change your life. So you, you've got to go there. Um, constant pressure. Man, maybe you've just been under a season of constant pressure. It's like, man, I'm just constantly under, under the gun all the time, it feels like. Going through selfishness. Maybe you're dealing with, you're, you're selfish all the time. It's all about you. It's about me, 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 me. You know, the, the most unhappy people are the selfish people. When you're trying to set the stage for you to be happy, you'll never be happy. 
Money, you know, money can be a barrier. Money, Satan will use money to, to create some of this. You know, conflicts outside and fears within. You know, Satan will use money on that. Sometimes you can be happy because you got a lot of money or you'll be upset because you don't have enough. And I think most people will always tell you they don't have enough. Rockefeller, one of the richest people ever to live, they asked him what would make you happy. He said just a little bit more money. Hmm. Um, how about power? Look in our world today. Power mongers all over this country. I'll stop there. How about material things? Oh, you're so happy the day you got that new car that you had to fix it. Material things, man, they just don't make us happy. How about just relationships, sexual relationships, all this. And the list goes on and on and on of things that Satan can do to get and create conflict and fear inside of you. Verse 6, but God, who comforts us, that downcast, he comforts the downcast. That word downcast, in some translations, they use the word depressed. And that's point number three, God, com- uh, but God comforts the downcast. You know, sometimes you deal with depression, it's heavy. Sometimes it's light. Sometimes it lingers. Sometimes it quickly passes. But we all deal with this. The downcast, the, the downcast can mean depressed. It can mean humiliated. You ever been humiliated? It's not fun, is it? You know, um, you, uh, you were cast down, you were humbled, you were made of a lowly degree. But verse 6, but God, and, and now check this out, but God, who comforts us, comforts the downcast, comforted Paul, and how did he do it? He sent somebody to him by the coming of Titus. You see, God knew that Paul needed somebody to get in the hole with him, and who knew the way out. Here's Paul, one of the greatest Christian leaders ever. Man, he wrote half the New Testament. He was down. He was suffering. Man, he's depressed at times. He says he was downcast. But God sends him this Timothy, uh, Titus. And, and so who is Titus? Titus was uh, an incredible guy. You had, uh, you had Paul had come and led Timothy to Christ. And so Timothy was this young man, and he went into the ministry. He became a pastor. So you have these books that we see in the Bible, First and Second Timothy, right? So you have Paul, Timothy. Timothy has a new believer that he come, and he discipled, and he brought him along. And so his name is Titus. So these guys were friends. It was like, man, the apostle Paul was so excited because, man, I've invested in Timothy. Timothy caught on. He invested in Titus. And we're all friends. We're all hanging out. We're all going out to eat together. And we're talking about the things of God. And so I've been a long time since he's seen Titus. And God brings Titus along. And look at what the scripture says there. He comes and he gives him a good report. Not only by his coming. Not only by his coming, verse 7. Not only by the coming of Titus, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. So he was comforted by your progress in the faith. And he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. I wasn't forgotten. Man, you know what God has to do sometimes? God has to send us somebody. He sent us somebody in the person of Jesus. Jesus came down and died on the cross and paid for our sins. I read a story one time, and I've shared this with you before, about a little boy. 
that was terrified of the of the of the uh, of the of the storms. It was thundering and lightning real bad outside, and the little boy's in his bed, and he's crying. He's yelling for his mom, Mom, Mom. He's crying for Mom to come in. And so Mom comes in and says, Honey, everything's going to be okay. God is with you. She prays, and she walks away. And he says, Mom, Mom. And she says, Honey, I told you God is with you. He says, Mom, but I need God with skin on. And folks, that's what we need in our life. You see, when Timothy came down, Timothy got in the hole and it was God with skin on. He needed mom. That little boy needed mom to stay with him and assure him that there's a way out. Assure him that God is really there and to be with him. And this is what you need. And this is what happens. You know, when you come along beside somebody and that's what the word comfort, that's what encourage means. It's the same root word to come alongside of. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He comes alongside. Listen, you've got to come alongside and you've got to put your arm around your friend. And you've got to say, hey, you know, it really does stink. This hole that you're in, man, it stinks and it hurts. And I'm sick about it. And you know, sometimes you just got to be there and you got to put your arm around somebody. And folks, that's what God's called us to do as the church. We get to be God with skin on. We get to, not, you're not really God, but you're going in, you're the, you're the skin that God's going to use. And so you go in there and you put your arm around that person. You say, hey, I know it stinks, I know it's terrible, but let me tell you, I know the way out. I've been here before. Just walk, just, just hang in there, man. And you, you do whatever it takes and you just put your arm around them and you keep an eye on them because you know how many people think that they are forgotten and lost. When you get down and you get discouraged, Man, you think there's no hope. You think nobody cares, that nobody loves you. You don't even think that God cares. And all of a sudden, that person gets on the phone and calls you and says, Hey, can we do a coffee? And you're like, Oh, my goodness, I never thought you'd ask. And you go out and you have that cup of coffee. And, man, all of a sudden, you leave and you're like, Man, I think I'm going to be all right. I think I'm going to get through this thing. And, and they keep coming back. And it's not a one-time coffee deal. Listen, lonely Christians are often defeated Christians. Lonely Christians are often defeated Christians. God didn't call you to do this by yourself. He gave you his presence and he gave you his people. And as we come alongside and we put the arm around and say, Hey, it's going to be all right. God will use you to be his skin. Psalm chapter 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? He's paying, he's struggling, he's telling you, I'm broken and I don't know why God is not moving. Consider me and answer me. Oh, Lord, my God, enlighten my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemies will say I have overcome him and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. And this was the psalmist but God moment. But I've trusted in the loving kindness of God, in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. 
I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And as we wrap up this morning, I'm reminded of the story of Corey Tembrun. You know, sometimes you are just in the worst of conditions and just wonder what God is doing, why, what's happening. This is World War II. The Ten Boom family was notorious for, for saving refugees. They would bring, bring the Jewish people in and they would hide them and protect them. As a matter of fact, Corey Ten Boom, who survived the, uh, the concentration camp, World War II, ends up writing a book called The Hiding Place. If you haven't read it, I want to encourage you. It's a good book worth reading. Corey Ten Boom ends up into the concentration camp. Her and her sister are in the same barracks, if you will, there, right? In the same facility. And she has a sister by the name of Betsy. And so her and Betsy, and they're trying, they're believers, and they're trying to continue their faith, trying to grow in the midst of this terrible, terrible situation. And so what happens is this place is deplorable. This place is overwhelming. This place is, you know, they're mean, they're nasty. The soldiers will just, you know, it's just death. It's a death camp. So they're in there, and, uh, and Betsy's reading the Bible, and she's hiding it. They've got to hide the Bible, and they're reading it. And as they're reading it, and they're going through the Word of God. She comes across the verse, and everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so Betsy says, Corey, we've got to start thanking God. We've got to thank God that we're in this concentration camp. So Betsy and Corey, they prayed, God, thank you for this concentration camp because you provided if the food's nasty. This is terrible, but at least we're still alive. And then she goes down the list. They had the, the little slats, and you can see in the, in the, in the, in the slats there are kind of these uh, troughs, if you will, where they just could lay and sleep, and they couldn't even sit up in these areas. And you read Corey Ten Boom describing it, it's just deplorable. God, we thank you for the place to sleep. Well, as they're going through this season, all of a sudden, there's an outbreak of fleas. And the fleas are just nasty. The fleas are, are terrible. You ever been bitten by a flea? We, we took a group to Ecuador a few years back, and I told them, don't pet the dogs. You don't pet the dogs over there. You'll get flea bitten. And all of a sudden, they're all coming back. They all got these fleas. I mean, they all had these circles around them from the fleas. We're like, what's going on with us? They were living in a flea infestation. And so what happens? Betsy says, Corey, we got to pray and we got to thank God for the fleas. And Corey says, no. Them fleas are nasty. I can't barely sleep. This is so much pain. This is getting too hard. I can't thank God for the fleas. Betsy says, yeah, you can. She says, Betsy. Betsy says to Corey, says, Corey, did you recognize because of the fleas, the soldiers no longer come in and pick on us? Did you notice because of the fleas, the guards don't even come in and inspect anything in our rooms anymore? Corey, we get to take this Bible. I don't have to hide it anymore. And I can open it and read it with you because the guards aren't coming near this flea-ridden place. Corey, don't you understand? Corey, look, we're able to share the gospel with all these people in here and all these people that are on the edge of death coming to Jesus Christ because God sent a bunch of fleas. And you know what? Corey finally came to the realization, oh God, I've 
got to thank you for the plea. And you know, this is what happens in our life. We see the suffering, we see the pain, we see the fleas. We can't see the bigger picture. We can't see that the guards aren't coming back anymore. All we can see is that I'm in pain and I can't take it anymore. Well, God says he's the God of all comfort. Corey had the presence of God. And she had her sister, Betsy, who said, we're going to make it. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're going through some really hard times. You're going through some pain. It's been miserable. It's been overwhelming. I want you to know those fleas you can thank God for. Because you don't know the whole story. But you know the God. And you know the God personally. And you know the God of all comfort. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Man, the Word of God is powerful, isn't it? It's just incredible. And I want to encourage you to turn to the God of all. Jesus came so that you might have the comfort of eternity, so that he may forgive your sin and restore your soul, that the life of Jesus may be evident in your life. And if that's you today, you've not. And I need you, God, the God of all comfort, to save my soul. Thank you that you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And you rose again. And I invite you into my heart and soul right now. And for others in this room, maybe as a follower of Christ, you've been struggling with some some pain. Maybe that question, why are all these things happening Why is God allowing this? Man, God puts the fleas for His glory. And you can trust Him. When you can't trace His hand, you can follow His heart. Father God, be with each one of us as we respond to Your Holy Word. Thank You, God, for what You've done in this place. Thank You, God, for the Spirit of God. Your Holy Spirit has been evident here and You've been moving and You've been changing our hearts. Thank you, Lord. As we close with a worship song, be honored and adored in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our worship song and just honor the Lord God.
and we will see you next Sunday. Have a good one.